Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us today. And, you know, ever since we found ourselves in lockdown and fighting the coronavirus, I feel like we've been facing a lot of things kind of running out, drying up, if you will. Uh, for instance, originally there was a lack of medical protective gear and masks, and I know in some places that's uh, still something we're wrestling with in a significant way. Uh, then you went to the grocery store, there was a lack of certain foods, certain brands that maybe you hoped to get. There was a lack of paper goods. But, but now we're sort of at that time in the midst of um, quarantine that we're facing different kinds of lack. There's a lack of patience now. Our patience is running out. I saw this on social media. I thought it was pretty funny. Somebody said, I've had a lot of time to think and to reflect lately. And I've come to the conclusion that my family functions best when we spend approximately six to eight hours a day apart from one another. Come on, somebody. Preferably five days a week. Don't get too loud at home if you're in the living room with your loved ones, but some of you know exactly what this feels like right now in your life. So we're running out of patience. Hey, we're running out of hair products. I don't know if you've heard of the Mona Lisa, but what I saw online this week was funny. It was the Corona Lisa. Check her out. Uh, she's uh, got some roots showing there, and uh, that's where a lot of us are at. And then, then we're facing a, a, a lack of just physical exercise, right? We can't get to the gym anymore. We went into quarantine, and we looked like Thor. We were in great shape. It was amazing. And now after quarantine, we look like this version of Thor, right? Eating a little guac off his belly, and uh, that's how we all we're wrestling right now with what we might call quarantine fatigue. You just feel like things are drying up. Things are running out. You're running out of patience. You're running out of the strength to keep going. You're watching things in your life sort of dry up or run out, and you can't do anything about it. Some of us are watching our, uh, our, our, fi our finances dry up and run out. You're watching your business feel like it's just sort of drying up right in front of you and running out, and, and there's nothing you can do about it. Some of us are in a place where we're, you know, we're watching our relationship with our families just kind of get stressed and strained and maybe we even feel like they're deteriorating, like they're drying up and running out and we don't know that there's anything we can do about it. But listen, I want to encourage you today because even when things run out, God has not run out on you. Listen, even when things run out, God has not run out on you. And I want to look at a biblical story today about how we handle things in our lives when it feels like they're running out and they're drying up. It's a fascinating story in the Old Testament, in the book of 1 Kings, and it's the story of a prophet named Elijah. Now check it out. Elijah was in a situation in his life where Israel had entered into a three-year drought, which basically is the same as a full economic shutdown. I mean, after three years, everybody's in their version of quarantine in the ancient world. And God had sort of sent Elijah out to this back country area where he's being fed by ravens who are bringing him food. And there's this little creek that runs there and he's drinking from the creek. So he's on lockdown. He's in quarantine. The country is economically frozen and paralyzed. And God is supernaturally taking care of Elijah. But what's interesting as you read the story is he's in the midst of this situation and, and the creek begins to change. Things begin to evaporate. The provision that he had, it starts to fade right in front of him. Check this out. First Kings 
uh, chapter 17, beginning in verse seven. And the way we do this here at Central is I'm gonna read this scripture, but when I get to these highlighted words over here, even though you're watching from home, I wanna encourage you just to say them out loud with me. It's how we wake up somebody who's now dozing off in the recliner. It's how we just sort of engage and stay connected to the scripture as I read it. So help me out, make some noise, okay, even from home. But here's what we read. It says, but after a while, the brook, help me, what? Dried up. You see that? The brook dried up for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. So here's Elijah, and he's just watching this brook dry up. God's told him, you gotta stay put. This is where you're supposed to be. And I wonder if it's just like a daily thing. <laughs> like he's just watching it get lower and lower. He's like, hey God, man, check it out, bro. Do you, you can see that, that, like he probably didn't call God bro, but anyway, he's like, God, check it out. Like You can see that the creek's getting lower, right? You can see that the water's running out and it's, 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 it's almost mud now. Like, and I wonder if he had a moment where he's like, God, do you have a plan for the lack of water? Do you have a plan for the fact that all of this is drying up? And what's fascinating is we, as we look at the text, we see that, that God actually uses this moment to redirect him. God is not rejecting Elijah God is redirecting Elijah and he's gonna use scarcity to do it. Think about this. Some of you right now in your life are in a place where you're looking around and things are drying up and you're not sure what God's doing and you're not sure what to do. My encouragement to you today is to realize God isn't rejecting you, but he may be redirecting you. God is doing a new thing in your life. If you'll open your eyes to see it in your heart. Look, sometimes God works in the midst of really tough situations and he brings about really great things in our hearts and in our lives. And I want to encourage you, just open your eyes and see it. Here's what we see. First Kings chapter 17, verse eight, the very next sentence. Here's what it says. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now I want you to think about this. Sometimes in our lives, it is, um, a lack of provision that precedes a change of direction. Sometimes a lack of provision precedes a change or comes before a change of direction. That's what we see in Elijah's life. He's facing lack, he's facing difficulty, but God is redirecting him in this moment. God's about to do a new thing. My encouragement to you today, when things are running out, is first of all to be open to God's new thing. God wants to do a new thing in your life. Now to get to the new thing, sometimes you gotta go through change. Sometimes you gotta let go of the old thing. And that's hard, right? I mean, we've been facing a lot of change over the last several weeks, from little change to huge change, right? Change in how we work, change in how we operate, change in how we shop. I mean, going to the grocery store feels like, you know, you're prepping for war, right? You're getting ready, you gotta get all the things on, you get your gloves on, you get your mask on, you get your, we're going in. And we go to the and then you get to the grocery store and you used to have your favorite items, you know, like your favorite Kleenex, you like the square boxes, or you like the rectangle boxes, you know, that was your favorite. And the favorite brands, these were the soft, you know, this was the good brand, right? And now at this point, it doesn't matter if it's like harsh like sandpaper, you're just glad to find something, right? You're not asking anymore, but is it in the rectangle box? Who cares? It's there. Grab it before the next guy does. So that's kind of where we're at right now when it comes to and then with products, man, you go out and you used to have brands brands that you really love, but, but you know, now maybe hard to find those brands. Now it's kind of hit and miss uh, in what you're trying to get. 
But listen, in the midst of change, great things can happen. And I've seen that even in small ways in my life. Like I had these like frozen patties that I really loved. And I really loved this specific brand of them. And I would go in and, and uh, first thing I noticed is that they were gone. And then like two weeks later, I went back, looked at the grocery store, they're still gone. Then I tried to get some online. There's none available anywhere. So nobody has these frozen patties that I really love. But it has forced me to eventually step back and find a recipe online and make my own frozen patties, which are awesome, by the way, and I love them even more. So change is not fun. Change can be difficult, but on the other side of change, some of the best things in our lives can emerge. Listen, sometimes you have to let go of something in the past to move forward into something better in the future. You rarely get to something better until you let go of something in the past. And so in our lives, we've got to be willing to embrace change in this season. And I know it's hard. It's brutally hard for people. But the faster we can start to open our eyes to what God could be doing in our lives and start asking the question, God, how are you moving and working? The faster we'll start to see the new thing that he's doing. In fact, let me share with you what has become for me Maybe the most powerful verse that I've read in the Bible over the last several weeks that I've just been hanging on to. This is what I call my COVID-19 Bible verse. I didn't see it this way initially, but I'm seeing it this way now. I'm reading it on, the, on a daily basis. I'm treasuring it in my heart. I'm hanging on to it. I wanna just share it with you and encourage you with this verse. It's from the book of Isaiah, Chapter 43, beginning in verse 19, and this is God speaking in Isaiah, and here's what he says. For I am about to do something, what? New. God says, I'm about to do something new. He says, see, I have already begun. And then he asks this question. Do you not see it? And then look at what he says. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Oh, this is good, friends. I believe what God is saying to me today, I believe what he wants to say to you today is Isaiah 43, 19. God is doing something new. He is doing something new. He isn't finished. He isn't done. But he's, and look, he says, I've already begun. Now, I'll be honest, when this whole thing began, and all I could see is what we were losing. And so some of you are still there in your life, and I understand right now. All you can see is what you've lost. You've lost your job. You lost your way of life. You lost your dream. You lost the hope that you had for something specific in your life. And it's hard to get past that. We're grieving it. It hurts. It's brutal. That's all I can see. I mean, church closed. You know, when, when the buildings, when the buildings closed, I remember just standing there in shock. Like, I never thought I would see a day in my life when churches could not gather for an indefinite period of time time in physical spaces. It was unbelievable, right? We've all had the, the, those moments over the last several weeks. But in the midst of all of that, all I could see is what was lost. But what God has been showing me in my personal life is this. He is doing something new. It is, this is about more than just what has been lost. This is about the new that God is doing. And he asked this question. He says, do you see it? Pathways through the wilderness, right? Rivers in the dry wasteland. God is moving. God is working. And if we will open our heart and open our mind, we'll see it. I just even look at what he's done through the central family. I mean, when, we, when this all began 
And all I could see was the loss and the pain going on in our community. And we began to serve. I would have never been able to predict that we would see more people come to faith through our online ministry at Central around the world in a week than we would see in six months in a normal situation. I would never have thought that our online attendance and engagement as a church would grow like over a thousand percent. Amazing, right? I would have never thought that we would be able to serve 2.9 million pounds of food to people in a seven-week period. Unbelievable. We're serving more food in a week than we served in a year last year and in previous years. Amazing. I would have never thought we would see the amount of hope and help, the amount of the community coming together, the amount of things God's doing. And all. But God's been showing me, Judd, you were blind to it because you couldn't see past your hurt, because you couldn't see past the loss. I'm doing a new thing. It's my world. I'm moving. I'm working. And you can get on my page or you can wallow on your own, but I'm doing a new thing. And friends, I want some of you today to just realize, I know it hurts. We're grieving a loss, but God is doing a new thing in your life. He's not finished. He's not done. Check it out. Listen, I know we all want to get back to the way things were, but don't miss this. God's already doing a new thing. Many of us are dealing with a big loss, and we need to mourn that loss for a time, but God is already doing a new thing. It feels like all hope's dried up, and there's no end in sight, but God is already doing a new thing. Listen, work's dried up, and you aren't sure if it's ever coming back or when it's going to come back, but God is already doing a new thing. A business you poured your life into is on pause, and it may not look the same for months, but God is already doing a new thing. Listen, dreams that have been crushed, but God is doing a new thing. A relationship that may have ended in a way you never saw coming, and it hurts, and it's scary, but God is doing a new thing. It feels like everything you were planning towards has just ended, and you have no idea what to do next, but God is already doing a new thing. Listen, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he is a God of new beginnings. And maybe you didn't get your miracle to wipe out the mess, but check it out. God is doing a miracle in the mess. He's moving. He's working. He will make a pathway through your wilderness. He will create rivers in a place where all joy has dried up. He's already doing a new thing. And so he asked in Isaiah, he says, do you not see it? Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? He says, I'm already doing it. And friends, in your life, maybe all you see right now is the loss, but God's already doing the new thing. He's already doing the work. Will you pause? Will you step back? Will you perceive it? God's doing a new thing. And when you look through the Bible, you see that God is always in the business of replacing the old with the new. Listen, when you come to faith in him, he gives you a new heart. He gives you new desires and a new spirit, the Holy Spirit, who can renew your thoughts and your attitudes. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning, and his faithful love endures forever. Jesus established a new covenant based in God's grace rather than our own performance. And when you accept this, you are now a new creation. You are filled with new life. You're born of his spirit. He gives you a new nature. 
nature and a new way of thinking and a new way of loving and a new strength to help you live in a new way. He gives you a new family, a new purpose, a new hope, and a new future where we look forward to new bodies and a new heaven and a new earth. Check it out. The Bible says God himself will one day give his people a new name. And you come to the closing words of the Bible, the book of Revelation. What's it say at the end of the Bible, at the end of Revelation? It says the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything, what? New. See, in order for everything to be new, everything will have to change. So be flexible, be open to change, because even now God wants to do a new thing in your life. God wants to do a new thing in my life. That's my COVID-19 verse. It's what I'm hanging on to. God isn't finished, God's just working. I didn't see it at first, but now I'm starting to realize, oh wow, God is doing something I never would have foreseen. He's taking something bad and he's turning it into something good. And he can do that in your life as well. Even when things run out, God has not run out on you. He's not run out on you. So look for the new thing that God is doing. And then secondly, what do you do when it feels like things are running out? You look ahead with faith. You look ahead with faith. I mean, I wish I could tell you that God told Elijah to go see this widow and uh, everything went easy, everything was great, everything came together, but there were so many challenges. The first challenge is God told him to go see this widow and immediately Elijah has to go to an area that he does not want to go to. Um, this area that he's told to go to was Jezebel's, for, it was not only enemy territory, it was Jezebel's like former hometown. And Jezebel was the evil queen, one of the most powerful people in the realm who wanted Elijah dead. So this is like his arch enemy, right? This is the person that despises him. And God tells him to go to an enemy territory, to the, her hometown, and there to find a widow, and he will provide for her in his life. He's doing a new thing, but it's hard to figure it out. And I wish I could tell you the story went like this, that Elijah showed up, and um, when he did, there was a widow there, and she was independently wealthy and uh, had this amazingly huge pool, and they sat by the pool, and they ate nachos all day, and it was incredible. But instead, he finds this widow, and the widow is actually in very, very tough shape, both physically and emotionally. Check it out. Uh, let's look at this verse, 1 Kings Chapter 17, verse 12, when he talks to this widow, he says, hey, will you give me something to drink? Will you give me a little bread? And she basically says, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this what? Last meal, and then my son and I will die. Okay, there's not a lot of hope going on right here. She's sort of already at the end of herself. And I'm sure Elijah's trying to figure out, God, what are you having me do? Now, first of all, widows in the ancient world, they would have been with some of the most vulnerable people. Um, it wasn't like she had any rights. Uh, she had lost her husband who would have provided for her and taken care of her. Um, we read that she's also a single mom with a young son, uh, or son at home, and so she's navigating that. And so in all of this, she's been through pain and trauma and loss, and she has no real way of providing for herself. She's gotten to the very end, and she says, you know, I'm gonna eat one more meal and that's it. She's not only gotten to a place where she's run out of food, she's run out of hope. The creek got lower and lower and lower, the creek of hope, and eventually it's run dry. And I think in our lives, there's a danger right now from a mental health standpoint of our hope running dry. 
And so, friends, I think how we see our circumstances has everything to do with how we manage hope in our lives. I'm going to bring a little chart up because I think this widow would have been tempted to see her current situation completely through the lens of her past pain and trauma. Here's the thing that psychologists tell us. When you've been through pain and difficulty and trauma in your life, it, it stays with you. A memory that's good is just that. It's a memory that's good, but a memory that's hard, a memory that's difficult, a, a traumatic event we go through, we can actually replay those again and again and relive some of those same emotions. It's why you have to have so many good uh, emotions and memories to offset one bad. So check it out. If you've been abandoned in the past, your tendency will be to see abandonment coming in your your future. If you've had control issues in your past, your tendency will be to look forward and see control issues coming uh, to the future. If you've been through hurt or disappointment or abuse, if you've been overwhelmed, if you've been through failure, your tendency will be to look forward and to, to see those things coming in your future. Look, if you've been, then all of this leads to kind of a framework for you think the worst is on the way. This is where a lot of people are, are living right now when it comes to the shutdown, the economic impact, the virus that we face, and all of those things are real. They're real challenges and problems. But simply looking at it through your past and your past pain, which is what I think this widow's doing. Nobody's coming to help. Nobody could rescue them. God isn't gonna step in and intervene. So I'm gonna pull these sticks together. I'm gonna cook up the last bit of food I have, and then we're gonna die. But if we just look at it through the past pain, it will spiral us down. But there is another way to look, and that is to look ahead in faith. And now is a time to look ahead in faith. So let's bring up this next slide. When you begin to see things through God's promises, it counteracts some of the past pain in our lives. We realize that, yeah, we may have been abandoned, but the Bible says God will be with me. He's not going to abandon me. He doesn't abandon his kids. He will move and he will work. Yeah, we may have been uh, faced abuse or disappointment or hurt, but the Bible tells me God will help me. God will provide for me. Me. God will bless me. God has a plan for me. God will guide me. The best is yet to come. Now, we're both facing the same thing. We're both, both of these ways of looking at, we're both looking at all of the stuff, the pandemic, everything that's going on in the world. You can simply choose to look at it this way, and you'll close the blinds, and you'll spiral further and further down. But every day we face a choice, and if we step back and push against just looking at things through our past experience and say, I'm going to to look at things through God and his word, which is why the Bible's always telling us again and again and again, remember, remember, remember. God's always challenging us to remember his word, his promises, who he is. When we do that in our lives, it changes how we see the very same thing. And so what do you do when the creek starts to run dry? <laughs> well, first, you realize God's doing a new thing. He's not rejecting me in this moment, but he may be redirecting me. Second, you start to look ahead in faith. You make the choice every day to say, I'm not just gonna let my past experiences determine how I see my present situation. I'm not just gonna let my circumstances determine how I see this present situation. God, I'm gonna trust you and your promises to shape how I see this situation. Look ahead with faith. Then we're able to ask for enough today in our lives. Ask for enough today in your life. So basically, 
As you look at the story in 1 Kings, uh, Elijah goes to this widow, he asks her for food, and she declares that her life's over, over. you know, she's gonna make her last meal, and then they're gonna be done. And uh, he says, go ahead and make your last meal, but give me some of what you make first, and then there's a problem, which is crazy, by the way, to tell a widow who has absolutely nothing, who's sort of preparing to die with her last meal, and he's like, yeah, great. You go ahead and make that last meal, and then you give me a little bit first. I mean, come on, Elijah, are you crazy? But that's what he says, but it comes with a promise, which is that God will provide. You see, this was a test, not about food. This was a test about faith. Come on, somebody. This was a test about faith. Was she willing to trust and believe? Was she willing to take her little and give it to the prophet, even though in this situation she wasn't even sure how she was going to get through the day, much less the week. And so basically she does it. She makes that commitment. She makes that decision. She takes him up on the offer. And here's what we see. First Kings chapter 17, verse 15. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There it is. There was always what? Enough. Always Enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. God always showed up with enough. And you know, when you begin to look at the Bible, you see that God has promised that he will provide enough for his people. He's pro Jesus told us to pray, God, give us today our daily bread. In the Old Testament, God taught the Israelites with manna from heaven. They were in the wilderness, like we're in a wilderness now, and they were struggling, and God could have given them food for months, but instead he chose to feed them every single day. They would wake up in the morning, and they would go out, and uh, they would see this white substance on the ground, and it was called, they Said, they said, what is it? The word manna in Hebrew just means, what is it? So they basically went out and everybody looked around and went, hey, what is it? And they're like, I don't know, man, let's, maybe you can eat it. And they ate it and they're like, sweet, so it's, it's what is it? You know? And so they went out, so God began to provide for the, the Israelites in the wilderness on the daily basis with enough food for today. The idea was that you stored it up for weeks and weeks and weeks. The idea was God provided. He was about to lead his people into um, a season where they would have all that they needed, where the land would flow, where his generosity would pour out on them. And God did not want them to forget the giver of every good gift. Now listen, we're in a situation where we've lived for years in a country where many of us have had everything we ever needed and we could pack our freezers full and we could live for months and months and months. And it may be that in this season in our lives, God, if we're open to it, can teach us the most important lesson, which is that we need to rely on him every single day and he will provide for us every day. And sometimes, I, someday I think he'll bring that all of it back to some of us in our lives. Some, someday he's gonna pour out his blessing and provision. But what's more important than what he gives is the giver himself. And he provides every day. See, the truth is, no matter how much or how little we have, we all need God every day in our lives. And he provides for us each day. He provides enough. In fact, in 2 Corinthians in the New Testament, Paul declares that today is the day of salvation. And as you look through the Bible, you see that God declares all of these different kinds of things that he does today. Today is the day of the Lord's rescue. Today is the day that he will fight for you. Listen, today is the day that he will be with you. Today is the day that he will conquer. Today is the day that 
he's your father. Today's the day that he can hear your voice. Today's the day that he will teach you. Today is the day that he will provide for you in your life. Today's the day you can enter his rest. Today's the day that he can help you. Today's the day that he can guide you. Today is the day that he can show you a new path. Listen, today is the day that he can bring some clarity. Today is the day that he can renew your strength. Today is the day that you will get your daily bread. Today is the day that God will meet you. Today is where you'll find joy. Today is where you'll find peace. Today is where you can love and be loved. And today you will get what you need. That's a promise from God. But you got to take it day by day. You got to take it day by day. I know we want to have the plan for how things are going to go weeks and months and years from now. <laughs> I know we, we, we need to know what's going to happen in our business and in our life and in our career and what's it going to look like moving forward. But until we know, there is a gift that we can experience, and that is the gift of just living day to day and trusting God in this season, trusting God in this season and asking him for enough, and he will provide enough for his people. And it's been amazing to watch how he's done that. In fact, I think of um, one lady who came through our food pantries. Uh, she was an individual who was at the grocery store, and she saw a woman who was way back at the checkout line who had a mask that she recognized because her mother had had cancer, and she sees this woman, and she's got this mask, and she knows it's a, it means that she's got cancer. And so she calls her up to the front of the line because she's not going to let her stay back there if she's got cancer going on in her heart and in her life. And she calls her up, and she begins a conversation with her and finds out, yes, she's got cancer. She has nobody to take care of her. Her name's Cheryl. So this woman basically decides she's going to take care of Cheryl. And uh, she helps her get checked out and gets her back to her house and then begins to provide for her. Begins to, she basically says, don't leave your house. I got you. You know, she didn't have family. So she's going out. She's getting food. She's taking it over. She's leaving it for her. And um, she's taking care of her. And she pulled through our food line. She had gotten there at 630. She had waited for three hours to get some food, not for herself, but to take over to a woman named Cheryl who she had only met in a, food, in a, in a grocery store line who's got cancer, who doesn't need to be out with the virus and everything going on. It's an amazing story to me of what people are doing all over the world for one another, of how people are rising up and saying we have to take care of each other. We've got to step in for each other. And when I think about that story, realize this, Central Family, you helped provide through Hope for the City the food that then went to a woman who's helping provide for another woman who she had never met before. God's provision is coming through you and through a stranger to a woman who may or may not even give praise to God for it, and it's showing up at her doorstep. God provides in surprising and amazing ways. Listen, even when things have run out, God has not run out on you, and he will still show up, and he will provide, and he will move and work. And we've seen his provision miraculously on these food, at these food pantries. We've done well over 100 of them now, and uh, seen literally tens of thousands of people given not only food, but given hope. And I'm so excited because on Saturday night, right around the corner, May 9th, we've got an event coming up that's called a Night of Hope, and it'll be streamed online 
for our central family around the world, uh, for our central family in the Las Vegas area. It's actually also going to be broadcasted on all four major networks at 7 o'clock Pacific time. And it's a benefit um, night for Hope for the City. We're gonna be raising money so that we can continue to feed and continue to help individuals in our city. We're gonna be doing shout outs to uh, first responders and grocery store workers and teachers and all the amazing people in our community. It's gonna be a night where we come together and remember that God can provide through his people. And so I wanna encourage you to make it, mark it on your calendar next Saturday night. Join us for a night of hope. And let me just tell you, Central Family, be praying for that. It is not a religious broadcast, okay? It's a benefit for the whole community, but it's an opportunity for us to have some good news in the midst of so much bad news and to show up as the good news, the good news that God um, still loves people, that he's still moving and working, that he isn't finished. It's amazing that we get to be a part of it. And so maybe in your life right now, you look around and the creek, the creek's drying up. The patience is drying up. The money's drying up. Things are running low, the reserves are running low. But listen, even when things run out, God has not run out on you. He's not rejecting you, but he may be redirecting you. God doesn't abandon his people, but God may have a new direction for you as his child. And I think what you might find in your life is that he's actually doing a new thing. If you'll step back and open your eyes and begin to see it. He's making a way where there was no way. He's making a river in the middle of the desert. He's making a way in the wasteland. He is doing something new. Some of you are here today and you've never crossed the line of faith and I wanna give you an opportunity to reach out to God and to trust him in your heart and life and receive the gift of salvation. The Bible says if we'll place our faith and trust in Jesus, if we'll believe in him, that we can be forgiven for our sins, that we can um, experience the gift of, of eternal life, that God will move and work in our hearts and lives. And I know some of you may be worried that you've done so much stuff in your life that God can never forgive you or never accept you. And I want you to know that um, God, is, uh, God is no respecter of person in the sense that, that there's no one that's too far gone from his love. There's no one too far outside of his love. He's loved you since before the foundations of the world, and he is not finished with you in your life yet. He's calling you to come home to him. Maybe some of you are worried, like I used to worry, if I become a follower of Jesus, I'll lose all my individuality. I, I, you know, I, I, I won't be unique anymore. I'll just kind of look like every other uh, cookie-cutter kind of person that I think is a person of faith in my mind. And what I found is when you become a person of faith, it's not like you lose who you are, you discover who you were created to be. It's not like you become less original, you become more original and more originally comfortable in who God created you to be. And God moves and works in that in powerful ways. So if you're ready to make that commitment, wherever you're at today, I wanna to encourage you to just follow along in this simple prayer after me. You could say it out loud or in your own heart and mind and just um, allow God to move and work in your life. So would all of you watching at home, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you're ready to make that commitment to follow Jesus, you can begin that journey by repeating this prayer after me to say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if that's your commitment, wherever you're at, 
I wanna ask you to just slip your hand in the air, just to acknowledge that you're gonna follow God in your life. Just reach out to him and trust him. Slip your hand in the air. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for each person reaching out to you. I pray you'll fill them with your goodness, your mercy, your peace. May they know that you've got their back and you're working in their heart and life. We give you praise and thanks for Jesus, who he is and all that he's done. In his name we pray, amen. Well, listen, if you made a spiritual commitment in your life today, I just wanna tell you congratulations. I'm so thrilled for you, and we wanna know that you made a spiritual commitment. Uh, we wanna give you some resources, like a little um, journal that we've created that's called How to Follow Jesus. Uh, we'd love to know how we can pray for you, how we can support you. So in just a moment, our hosts are gonna come out, and they're gonna talk a little bit about um, how you can let us know if you made that spiritual commitment in your life. But I'm grateful for all of you. Thank you for joining us, and I'll see you next week. God bless you guys.